and welcome back to the Made Possible podcast. My name is Carly Cunningham, and I am thrilled to bring you this podcast collaboration with Small Business BC and my own small business, Big Bold Brand. The purpose of Made Possible is to share revealing, inspiring, and sometimes mm, wince-worthy stories about starting and growing a business. My goal as your host is to expose insightful wisdom and savvy advice about what makes building a successful small business possible. Now, full disclosure, we recorded this particular episode at the end of last year. And then, well, the next wave of COVID happened and caused more interruptions. And the end of the year snuck up on us before we knew it. However, the delayed release of this episode is quite serendipitous as we're just heading into Black History Month. And today's guest, Narissa Allen, is the founder of the Black Business Association of BC. This month, they're launching a powerful new online resource for Black business owners, an online directory and marketplace called blackbizglobal.com. And that's not all. Our producer, Darren Dunn, is here to tell you today about an exciting collaboration between SBBC and the BBABC. Darren? Take it away. Thank you, Carly. So as a bit of background for this program, in 2020, the Government of Canada announced the creation of the Black Entrepreneurship Program. This program acknowledges that Black entrepreneurs have faced systemic barriers to their success in Canada and is providing over $200 million in funding to begin to address this imbalance. This funding is spread across various programs, including a National Ecosystem Fund, a Black Entrepreneurship Loan Fund, and even the creation of a Black Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. Now, Small Business BC's involvement in this program is to partner with the Black Business Association of BC to offer barrier-free access to our education and advisory services for Black entrepreneurs and businesses. Anyone listening who is interested in learning more and applying for access just needs to visit the Black Business Association of BC website at blackbusiness.ca forward slash SBBC. And just a little about how the program works. The Black Business Association of BC will handle the approvals on their end, which means that they'll vet the candidates for this grant. And if they're successful, they'll provide them with a unique code that can be used on the Small Business BC website to access our free education. Now, what's included in terms of education is our full range of educational webinars, and that covers everything from marketing to financials, exporting, you name it, plus our one-on-one advisory services, Talk to an Expert. This program is great because it allows dedicated access to our business advisors in a one-to-one setting so people can ask their tailored questions of them. The program runs until March 31st, so I'd encourage anyone listening that's interested to apply now as there's still lots of opportunities to attend education between now and then. I think that about covers the program. So without further ado, let's jump over to our interview. On today's episode, we're continuing our focus specifically on the how-tos of community building. Today's guest is going to share her insights, expertise, and advice on how to build a business supporting ecosystem around your business to accelerate growth and success. Narissa Allen is a powerhouse entrepreneur and community organizer. Not only is she the director of Chattel House Health and Beauty, an RMT clinic and global skincare brand, she's also a business consultant, economic empowerment advocate, and the co-founder and president of the Black Business Association of BC. I'm super excited to dive into this interview, and it is my pleasure 
to welcome this community building powerhouse to the show. Hi, Narissa. Hi, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. And thank you to Small Business BC for the invite. Um, I'm really excited about the conversation. And um, let's have a great 60 minutes. Well, I've done lots of research and read about all the amazing things that you do and who you are. But can you tell our audience a bit about you, your entrepreneurial journey, and some of the businesses you've built over the years? Absolutely. So um, I'm a born and raised in BC, Vancouver. I have uh, spent many years of my life, actually, in my formative years uh, on the small island of Barbados. And that's actually where I got my first taste of entrepreneurship uh, in the Junior Achievement Program when I was 15. But I think my um, entrepreneurial journey really started um, in 2010 when I launched a, what we call a side business called Heavenly Locks, and it was a hair business. So um, I love hair. I love to change my hair all the time. It's just something I like to do for fun. And I found that, you know, friends and family were like, you know, how do you do that? Can you do that for me? Blah, blah, blah. One thing led to another and I'm running a little side business selling, doing hair. Um, this is, you know, after hours, I have my nine to five and I was doing, um, you know, business, the, the, uh, business side of things after hours or on weekends. And it got to a point in 2018, I, I, um, I looked at my husband and I'm like, you know what? We should amalgamate our businesses, incorporate, and start uh, a brick and mortar. And we did that. We started Heavenly Child House Health and Beauty RMT Clinic and Hair. And at that time, it had evolved to primarily servicing women who had medical hair loss. But we also provided some other, you know, hair options for fashion and things like that. And that's kind of how um, Child House Health and Beauty came to be. And then in 2020. As we tried to navigate COVID, I had an old business plan because I have always loved skincare and I've been making skincare for our family and our friends for many, many years. Um, we launched our organic natural skincare line. So there's been a, a series of, of evolution of steps to get to where I am today. But for our personal business, it's been a really rewarding journey. That's fantastic. You and I seem to have some more things in common beyond being entrepreneurs. Um, I have had side hustles in the past. And I, you reminded me that I actually was a part of junior achievement myself. Um, yeah. Our pro what was your product? Our product was, um, paper towel holders, which honestly as a creative entrepreneur really bored the heck out of me, <laughs> but what I'm curious as to what you guys made. Mine was swimsuits. So we're, I was in Barbados and uh, I loved bikinis and we made the, I designed and made swimsuits. Fantastic. I love that. I, I even in, in today, I'm like, that would have been so much more fun. Um, there's an interesting part of your profile that stood out to me. And it's because I, you know, of the topics I wish I would have of the classes I wish I would have taken in school. Economics is my one regret. And I was terrible at math. So economics scared me back then. But I realized it's not it really isn't about math. Too bad the description wasn't better. But I'm really curious for you to share with our listeners what economic empowerment is and what led you to become immersed in it. You know, it's, it's really funny, Carly, because I actually am not that great at math either. So <laughs> that's not my, my strong suit. But what I found with economic empowerment is the under, the, being able to shape the power to shape your world. So controlling the flow of money coming into and out of your sphere in our society means you control your time, you control your ability to generate wealth, 
And in essence, you control your freedom. And that's what's really gravitated me towards um, economic empowerment, because I feel for communities that feel um, disenfranchised, that are struggling to move out of um, spinning their wheels constantly, this really is the tool to be able to get out of that, that point and become stronger as a community. So that's really why I became focused is I saw individually how the freedom to control my immediate surroundings was so beneficial. And I want to, I wanted the same for our community. So um, I began that journey and started the best way I could in figuring out, okay, what are the steps that we need as a community to start controlling the flow of money in and out of the community so that we can start to build that economic empowerment within the community. Because our theme for this year is community for the season, I want to dive into this amazing organization that you founded. In 2019, you founded the Black Business Association of BC. What inspired you to create it? And what is your purpose? Or what is its purpose? So in 2019, it actually started out as just an Instagram page. So I was just wanting to highlight black businesses and services and products that were, um, you know, in Vancouver. And I just, you know, would you know, check out different businesses and post some pictures about what they do and what they offer. And it was, um, you know, just kind of doing it off the side of my plate. Um, but then in 2020, George Floyd happened and it was very emotional for everyone around the world. But in our community, there was this feeling of, not knowing what to do with that energy because it was it was sadness, it was frustration, it was all this pent up energy, and you know it's like what do you do to dissipate that? Like where do you put this energy? This energy? so um, I sat back with my husband and I was like, you know, I want to be able to do something um, more. I want to direct this energy into something that's going to be positive for the community, and that's when we decided, you know what, let's take the the concept of what we created with Business Vancouver, the Instagram page, put some structure around it and provide ways that we can actually empower the community economically um, and focus that energy and direction into building something strong um, out of this tragedy. And that's what we did. So um, by July 2020, we had registered as a, a nonprofit organization and the rest is history. It's been um, a year a little bit over a year now, and we've done quite a bit because we, when we have passion and dedication, I think you can do so much just working off of that alone because you, you, you have the end goal and you have the vision in your mind. And you know, you know, even though it's, it's hard and you're kind of, you're working with, you know, your own money, you don't really have funding for things, but you see that there's going to be a great reward for the community in the future. You just power through and then you get a lot of people that help you along the way, like Small Business BC. So um, the purpose of the organization is really very operational in, in nature. We provide services and tools to help businesses start um, or scale their business, as well as we offer um, training and education in, in soft skills. So, you know, business leadership and um, HR and skills such as uh, marketing skills and, and things like that. So we, we cover the gamut from building a foundation of a business and a business person or a leader so that you have a strong foundation going into the future that's going to be sustainable. That is absolutely incredible. And it always amazes me the things that spin off from Instagram. 
Mm -hmm. uh, one of our other guests, Charcuterie Vancouver and Sadaf, she again had a side hustle. There's there's such a, a theme of side hustle weaving its way through the season as well is she started it on Instagram. She started selling on Instagram, which isn't your typical sales platform. Yeah. And now it's spun into a bricks and mortar. And so I'm sensing the same, the same thing happened. Momentum happens and following that momentum. And then you channeled the other energy into you took what was negative and worked your magic and yep. put it into Spin what it. you do best. <laughs> right. But yeah. and and it's so funny because I work in, you know, brand marketing and communications and there's there's such a bad wrap for the word spin, but I think it just depends on what direction you spin it in. But yeah, Correct. you take it and you convert it. So converting the negative into the positive and your themes are empowerment, economics, building businesses. And so I love where that has gone. Do you have a moonshot goal or vision for this community that you're building? You know, I think my end goal really is to have a sustainable organization, but not just in economic empowerment of the community. But I really want that when I'm ready to hang up my hat and trade in these Zoom calls for long naps on the <laughs> beach, that we've shifted the mindset of our community and our youth because I, I want economic empowerment to be second nature. I want that we've inspired the next generation of entrepreneurs to want to continue this marathon that we started to grab the baton and keep running. But I want, I really want economic empowerment to be second nature. And once that's the case, we will continue on in building business. We're going to continue on in building community because we don't have to train people and force people and, you know, like hammer it in. This is what we need to do. It's already there. So I think that um, the end goal for the for the for this community building that we're doing right now is, you know, we, we want to continue to build businesses and help them and provide those platforms and services that they need to grow. But the what I really want is to shift the mindset so that it becomes second nature. And that is key to anything is changing the way we look at things, changing our, our belief system. And there's so much of that going on in the bigger sphere of economics right now um, and finding different ways to um, model our businesses, different ways to integrate social entrepreneurship and doing good. And I'm so excited to see where this journey takes you and the community along with you. So for those that are listening who are like, yes, I want to be a part of that, what is what is the best way for them to get in touch and get involved? Well, we've got different ways that people can you know, support. So if you want to volunteer, we're always looking for volunteers, especially now as we roll into the fall, we have different activities such as webinars. Um, we're going to be rolling out a youth program very shortly. We have a lot of activities coming up. So if you're interested in volunteering, um, overall with the organization, if you're interested in helping out with the youth program, if you're interested in helping out as a mentor, because that's one of the things in our, in our community that's, that's needed, our, our mentors, we're always looking for people to volunteer. If you are interested in donating to the association, we're a nonprofit organization. So we really depend on, um, you know, sponsorships and donations from the community, from organizations. So that's another way you can help. And then supporting initiatives. So we have quite a few initiatives and we had one that just rolled, that just completed actually. It was over the summer. It was a pop-up shop marketplace and we held it at the Bentall Center, downtown Vancouver. We had, it was nine weeks um, and we had different businesses rotate through that, that nine weeks where they showcased and sold their products. 
And even um, during COVID, we still had people coming out and supporting that. And we've got more initiatives coming out very shortly. We're going to be rolling out an online uh, directory um, in the next two weeks, as well as an online marketplace. So we encourage people to check these um, initiatives out as we roll them out and support them because that's the best way to, uh, to support us. And by supporting the initiatives and the marketplace and the products, you're also supporting the community at large. Brilliant. I'm going to ask the maybe, maybe not obvious question. Who is welcome? Because myself as a white entrepreneur, of course, I would like to support and be the best ally I can. So for those who aren't black listening and want and think that this is something that they would like to support and it is something that their business supports as well because of the diversity of their company, what is the best way we can support? That's a really great question because I do have people asking that question. And um, absolutely, you're welcome. So we have webinars and we have webinars even though we're putting on the webinar to support black businesses, this information is cross, cross the border. We can, it's useful for anyone. So you're welcome to join those webinars. You're welcome to join in on some of those initiatives um, that are outward facing. We also think that it's really great when we have collaborations because we don't, we live as a community. We, we're a diverse community. So I think that, um, being able to work together is key. So even at um, the pop-up shop, for example, our, our neighbor, and she was a fantastic ally. She came on Instagram, you know, she uh, showed our pop-up shop to her followers, and she was a really great advocate for the work that we were doing there. And I think that um, as an ally, whether it's, you know, showcasing things that you like, um, with products that you've used in our with businesses that are, are black owned or services that you've used, you know, highlighting that to your um, community and to your followers, because people listen to, they really listen to uh, recommendations from others, no matter what kind of product or service you're looking for. So as a black business, um, we're always looking for testimonials like any other business. These are the things, these are the basics of running a small business. You want referrals, you want testimonials, you really need um, that kind of, um, you need that, that engine that really markets, that really markets your business and the products or services you offer. So as an ally, you know, if you try a product or you try a service from one of our businesses that you like, let everyone know about it. And I think that's one of, one of, that's a really great way to, to be an ally with the community is um, sharing our experiences, um, as well as collaborations. Like we have businesses that collaborate with other businesses outside of the community. Um, whether it's, uh, they're going to, they're going to do like a gift or a giveaway or packages, or they do, um, like video marketing together. So it's all about, it's not that we want to, we don't want to isolate ourselves because we don't live in a vacuum and business doesn't operate in a vacuum. We're just trying as an organization to, you know, help to build the skills and competencies and services that we know that's um, needed in our community. But outside of that, we really want to ensure that we're working as a community because we live in a community and we need that um, we need to work together to for the economic empowerment of the entire community, not just the Black community. What I really love in that answer, and it reminds me of an article that I was 
reading this morning, and it was about partnerships. And it was written by one of our previous guests, Pama Slim. And we'll drop the link to this article because I think it's really valuable. And what it talked about was filters for developing partnerships. And it goes through these five questions that help you filter a partnership that works for you. And partnerships are so incredibly powerful. Like you said, you had one of your neighbors come in who was able to promote the business who was selling their products at that given time. But there's so many more opportunities for partnership. And I love what Pam calls it. She calls it peanut butter and jelly partnerships. You know, someone had, you know, what's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the jelly or without the peanut butter, right? So you bring together your strengths. You can support each other's weaknesses. Maybe someone has a greater following of like-minded entrepreneurs. They can promote you that way. And then in turn, the other company can do something for them and it may not have to do with reach. It might have to do with, hey, we're better at video production or content writing. And it just comes together magically to support everyone involved. And I absolutely love that. One of the other things I was thinking of too is how often are marginalized folks seen in conferences, like at the front of the stage. This is again, and I'm pulling this through from Pam's interview because it was so impactful when she went on a community tour across the US and asked how many Navajo or indigenous folks had they seen at the front of the room. And I think the number was five. We'll have to go back and check that number, but that is so low. So how many people of color are we seeing on stages? And if you're someone who's listening, who's putting on an event or a conference or anything where you're exposing business owners is asking yourself, how do we increase that diversity and who can we go to Mm -hmm. who would know people we could put on stage? The Black Business Association of BC would be the perfect place. You would be the perfect person to reach out to, to say, yeah, we absolutely know someone who specializes in that. So I think allyship is all about promotion in so many different ways. It is because um, we get people coming to us, you know, in that space, even for uh, B2B type business. And they're like, you know what, we're looking for someone that offers this service or this product. Do you have anyone? Do you know anyone? We're like, absolutely. This, this and this. And we, or if we, if I can't think of it off the top of my head, then we can look into our database to see what members we have um, and get back to you with, with some options. As we roll out the online um, directory, that's going to be even more useful. We, you, don't, you may not even have to contact us directly. You can look through the directory and see who, you know, who might be on there that you can link with, that you can collaborate with or partner with. And on that note, I just want to mention, so I mentioned earlier that we um, had an ally at the pop-up shop, and I, I remember the, uh, her name. Um, it was Bear Refillery. So they were fantastic. They were located right beside us, and Camille was fantastic in um, being an ally for that. So that was just an example of you know one way that um, even if you're not in the Black community, you can support the Black community. Perfect. We'll give her a shout out in the show notes. So over the last 18 months, Things have changed so much for small businesses and the communities that we engage with and the communities that support us. And I even hate mentioning the C or the P word, but we got to go there. So early in the pandemic, any sort of networking and gathering came to a complete halt. And then we all had to figure out, well, how are we going to do it now? You know, we all wish we had bought shares in Zoom, (laughs) but we figured out how to do it digitally. Um, How did the Black Business Association of BC shift and change during the pandemic? Because you were what I would call a seedling organization. You were already in the storming and forming phase, and then this happens, and it throws you right in deeper into that. 
what did you do to best serve your community when everything changed? You know what? It's funny because like you said, we were just in the startup of the organization at that time with the Black Business Association. So we kind of just structured our services based on the current climate. So we didn't have to do a lot of restructuring. We went directly into, okay, we're going to have to do Zoom. We're going to have to do webinars. And actually it turned out to be a really great way to build the organization because even though we are the Black Business Association of BC, we have members across Canada because the information we provide for the most part, there's no boundary to it. Marketing, same for everyone. You know, business skills, the same for everyone. Um, So we are able to reach, have a broader reach for business and entrepreneurs because we started up during the pandemic. We really ramped up during the pandemic. So everything we created was with the mind of how are we going to be able to deliver this virtually and get this information out to people when we are all stuck inside? The pandemic has definitely made things more borderless. And I say it that way because I've been working in digital since the start of my career. I was developing websites in 256 colors. Well, let me clarify that. I was designing websites and handing them to developers because I am not the person to go looking for the missing comma and 100 lines of code. That is not my idea of fun. But I was literally immersed in the digital world and knew how global we were going over 20 years ago. Wow, did I just mm-hmm. say over 20 years ago? Now I'm dating myself. But moving on from that, I'm going to steer away from that conversation. But what I'm trying to say is we've been having this business is global conversation for so long. But I think what's prevented a lot of us from going global was the, the ability to meet in person, was in-person mm-hmm. events. As you build this community ecosystem around yourself that has to do with geography. Yeah. And that's been completely blown apart. So that's been the kind of the biggest observation for me is now we really are global because we've had to be global. I'm curious what lessons or key observations you've learned seen over the course of the past 18 months with respect to community and and connection. I think a couple of things here, because I think that what we've noticed is, you know, it's been, we've, we've been able to be more global but we haven't been ready to be more global. So in Mm -hmm. our community, um, a digital revolution has to happen right now. It's happening right now. And I think for a lot of small businesses, that digital adoption to be able to come out of this pandemic strong is happening now and has to continue because we weren't ready for, we weren't ready for the pandemic. We weren't ready to go global. We had a lot of mama pop shops. We had a lot of um, brick and mortar shops that didn't have websites, or if they had a website, it was kind of like here or there, not really, you know, not really geared um, to be able to market properly um, to what is now a larger client base. So we're working now to try to figure out, okay, how do we um, help businesses assess what they're doing, you know, in terms of where they are in their digital adoption um, strategy, help them build that out, and then help them to adopt. Um, technologies that are going, that's going to help them to, um, be seen better, have better websites to, you know, build their e-commerce platforms, um, figure out how to do marketing because as, as an entrepreneur, you wear many hats and a lot of our businesses are solopreneurs. It's like a one man show. You wear all the hats. So you may not necessarily be strong in marketing as well as, you know, financial forecasting and the cash flow, as well as running all the operational pieces of your business. 
So we have to now figure out one, where do you need assistance? You know, where are you strong? Where are the weaknesses and where can you, where can you bring someone in to help you with that? Is it marketing? Do you need help with marketing? Not everyone can do that. It takes a lot of time and dedication to do that. It also takes money depending on the options you want. So that's where we are right now is figuring out what the digital um, adoption strategy needs to be for our businesses so that they can come out of this pandemic stronger, being able to capitalize on the fact that we now have a global market and to be sustainable going into the future. And I think mm -hmm. uh, the only other piece I want to mention here is one of the big things that came out of the pandemic, and this is for everyone, whether you're a business owner or not, but mental health and wellness. As entrepreneurs and as business owners, we don't focus on our mental health. We're just, you know, we're grinding every day. We're just trying to make sure that the business doesn't fold. We want to have, we want to get profits. We want to make it profitable. We want to scale. We want to hire people. We might, we might have staff and we're thinking about everyone else, but not our own mental health. Um, as a priority. So one of the things that we've carved out in some upcoming funding is specifically to address mental health wellness for business owners. Um, and we're actually going to be working with another really great organization here in Vancouver, um, the, Uni the Unity Center Association for Black Cultures. And they have a lot of um, uh, previous experience um, dealing with and trying to support a mental health in the black community. So we're going to be working on some initiatives with them to support, you know, mental, mental health, healing and wellness. There was so much gold in that minute or so, possibly two minutes. One of the things I want to pull through from what you just said in that moment of gold, there was so much in that, but early on you were talking about, there's so much that we need to do as entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, as small businesses, you know, mm -hmm. with five to 10 people, everyone's wearing many different hats. Mm -hmm. And I want to touch on communities and ecosystems and partnerships to pull out something that I see happen behind the scenes a lot. Partnerships are not just about boosting revenue, about boosting exposure on the, on the outward facing side. One of the values that I have seen for my clients, for my own business, is the value of partnerships in sharing expertise, building mastermind groups, having yeah. an accountability partner, and choosing those people based on, again, that peanut butter and jelly. What are you great at? What am I not great at? But what am I great at that you need? And evaluating how do we come together to share expertise, to maybe work contra or trade um, opportunities that that aren't money that we're trading time we're trading expertise to support each other because I don't think we talk about that enough mm -hmm. and do you see that happening in your community I see it happening in the community with other communities it's it's amazing because it's like you said it's things that happen behind the scenes that help um, everyone to grow and to thrive so um, for example in the community we're working with UCABC on mental health initiatives these are things that we're doing behind the scenes so that we can push out something outward facing to the community to help build mental health and help address it. Um, we're working with organizations um, that are not within the black community that assist us in delivering some of these goals. So for example, Small Business BC, they have workshops and all kinds of um, business building skills that why would we reinvent the wheel? We leverage something that they're strong in um, so that we can provide and support a community that is marginalized. You know what I mean? So it's about how do we look at, you know, what is our strength and what is our weakness 
and then finding partners who can benefit from our strength and we can benefit from something that maybe that they may be weak in. So we're seeing that all over the place. And, and even with our sponsors, we have Innovate BC, who they're, um, they're one of their, their main objectives, and I think their main goals, digital adoption. I just spoke about the Black community being really weak on, on digital adoption and our, our business is really needing to uh, create strategies um, to adopt techno- new technologies to bring their businesses up to a level where they can compete. You know, BBC is helping us with that behind the scenes. Um, Van City, financial literacy, another piece so crucial in the Black community is building the, the, the basic foundational pieces of understanding financial literacy. Van City helping us with that. Um, it's, it's amazing that I think as we build community and as we build more connections, it's like a snowball effect. Connections just keep happening. And you start to realize, you start to get people coming to you who are like, can we help? How can we help? And and that's how you keep that ball rolling because there's always a give and take. You never want to go into any situation where you're, I want, I want, I want. It always needs to be a give and take. You have to be willing, not just to take, but to give and understanding, you know, what you're good at and what, and um, so that you can use that to be able to help someone else and then learn from others and, and bring that into your association so that you can leverage their strengths. That's what it's about. It's a give and take at every level, inside the community and out. So one of the threads that I want to pull through that you mentioned earlier was mental health. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely agree with you. It's key and critical to us running thriving, successful businesses. You spoke about the grind. And one of the things that I learned about you and doing my research for this episode and reading your LinkedIn profile is a lot of the ways that you contribute is by volunteerism. You are of service to so many people and so many organizations. And you also run your own businesses. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about how you balance your own mental health and maybe top three things to look out for or top three tips for our entrepreneurs listening. So I think um, it's really difficult, actually. Whether you are doing a nine to five, you're running a business, what have you, life is hard. And you are always, there's always something that you have to work through. There's always something that is, uh, you know, taxing to your mental health. And doing so many things, it's now, a, a, it's a, a point where I have to figure out, you know, I have to prioritize. And I think that's one of the first things I would say is prioritize all of the different things that you've, that you have on your plate. So I've got my businesses, I do volunteer work, I'm doing, I'm doing the Black Business Association of BC. What do I need? There's 24 hours in a day and I need sleep and I've got kids. <laughs> so where's it all fit in? You've got to, you really have to be organized. And that's something that I actually am not the best at. I'm not the best at organizing. I like, I am a big picture seer. I have a vision and I'm like, okay, now how do I get that? And I have to take myself back to pull myself to prioritize and, and organize myself so that I can get through the day and all the different pieces I have. So I've got a calendar, I've got like three calendars and that helps me to stay organized because I've got so much. And if I don't, you know, if I don't do that, I can easily lose track of all the different things I'm doing. So mental health wise, you have to also, you know, prioritize time for yourself. You have to mm-hmm. have that downtime where you are not dealing with any of this. You know, you, if you, the downtime with your family, because you also have to give, you know, you have to have some separation between business and all of the activities and your family. So you, you, I personally 
prioritize my family um, and pr prioritize time for my family. And you also have to prioritize time for yourself. You just need some downtime. And as an as a person who uh, falls on the side of, of introversion, I need quiet space. I need my own space to be able to recharge. So um, it's about knowing who you are and then ensuring that you create space for whatever it is you need, how you need it, because it can pile on and you don't realize that you are in trouble um, from a mental health wellness aspect until it, it could be like, at the tipping edge and you don't want it, you don't mm -hmm. want it to get to that point. And there, there, there are people, there are counselors, um, there are places that you can go for assistance and help if you feel like you need mental health, um, support, but in a day to day, I think you have to prioritize it for yourself and you have to make sure that you, if you have to schedule it in, schedule in 10 minutes, you know, quiet time for yourself. If it's at the end of the day and you want to, you know, you need reading time, you need an hour, schedule that in if you need to do that. But make sure that you are conscious of the fact that you have to take care of your mental health and then figure out what that looks like so that you can make time in your day to do it. Putting self first is a really valuable lesson that I learned from uh, an entrepreneur friend of mine, Mike Desjardins, who runs a leadership development company called Virtus. And mm -hmm. he taught me years ago and he was speaking about being in crisis, but I think it applies generally through the day to day. He's like, when you're on the plane and things don't go well and, you know, emergency happens, you take that, the, the oxygen mask and you put it on yourself first, because mm -hmm. if you are not well, you can't help. And if you're not getting oxygen, you can't help anybody next to you. And yeah. choosing self first is not something we celebrate in our society, it's the words selfish, self-focused, like I could go on, but those are yeah. really, if you flip those words for yourself, they can take on new meaning. There's scientific mm -hmm. proof that says when we take down time, it enhances our ability to focus, to perform, to exactly. think. There's so much around brain science. There's a book that I'm rereading and it's interesting. I don't reread books, but this one I am rereading. I'm going through, I'm highlighting, I'm taking notes and I'm applying those lessons slowly and it's called peak performance. And we will put that in the show notes as well. And there's proof all through this book that talks about um, stress plus rest equals growth and heightened performance. There's so much in that book that I could dig into, but my whole point being here, we, I think for a long time, we've celebrated the, the wrong things. We celebrate mm -hmm. the grind, the ability to push through, the ability to do more, the ability to grow. And those don't allow space and don't encourage folks to stop and say, hey, you know what? I've been, I've been at this project, this writing thing that I'm doing, this thing I'm doing this morning for three hours and I've just got to push through and, and finding yourself, you often find yourself stuck. For yeah. me, I find one of the best things that I can do is stop and take the dog for a walk or stop and even go get a glass of water. And if, if I'm really stuck and I have the opportunity or sometimes I'll book them in knowing I'm doing an intense project, I will go out for a ride in the middle of the day. I'll go out for a trail run in the middle of the day. And here's the magic. I almost always have a breakthrough when I have that greater sense of headspace when I'm out and I'm, there's no roof over my head and it feels yeah. like removing that roof brings some magic. It's, it's true because the, that time for yourself, even the 10 minutes refocus and come back and all of a sudden you're back on your game again. It's, 
It's amazing. And like you said, we don't have the opportunity. We don't feel like we have the opportunity to really express the fact that we need to take time for ourselves, which is extremely important. And it's one of the things where we just, we are big proponents of it. And we try to, we had um, a gentleman um, named Satyan Raja come in this year. It was uh, during Black History Month in February. And he is a guru when it comes to centering yourself and um, being able to master uh, business through, you know, personal growth and awareness. And the, the people that the entrepreneurs that took part in that session, and that was open to everyone. That wasn't just, we didn't only invite, you know, the black members of our, um, of our uh, membership. We opened that to everyone because it's, we feel it's so important for people to understand mental health awareness and for people to prioritize that. Because when you do that, you show up for your family, you show up for yourself, you show up for your business, you show up for your staff at a hundred percent. If you don't do that, that's when you're, you're constant, you're going to find yourself just tired and constantly just like trying to pull yourself out of the weeds because you have not given yourself the energy you need to refuel and be present where you need to be. And I'm glad you mentioned family. A story comes back to me in a recent conversation that I was having is the th- looking at what are we modeling for our kids? Now I'm not a parent, um, but I'm an auntie. And the conversation I was having with this entrepreneur who is a doctor, and she is so committed to her community and so committed to her patients. The challenge is, is that what her children are seeing and have seen, especially through the pandemic, is that she's always online. She's always working and she's so incredibly driven and makes this enormous difference. But what her kids are seeing is that she's always working. And her mm-hmm. daughter came to her and said about her son, she said, we'll call him Stevie. She said, you know, mom, she goes, Stevie doesn't want to work. He doesn't even really want to go to school because he sees how hard you work and he thinks that's what your life becomes when you grow up. And so he he doesn't want to work. And he thinks that work work is bad. Mm-hmm. And so imagine if she were able to take five or 10 minute, that five or 10 minute break and engage in what Stevie loves best. And she said, my son is amazing at playing. You know, what lessons can we learn from our kids about mental yeah. health and what are we modeling for them? So I think that's mm-hmm. also really important, a different lens to look at it through. Yeah. So I want to make a transition in the conversation and it has to do with building community and perception um, and belief systems. And there's no doubt that you'd agree that community or network building is critical to a thriving small business. Yeah. However, I suspect that you also see the same thing that I do, which is that few business leaders actually spend the time building their networks and a community ecosystem around their business and even encouraging their team to do it if they do have a team. Why do you think that is? I think you start building what you know. And that's where it's all going to start is you're building a foundation and you branch out from there. And as you're building your foundation, you're building your business, you're building your ecosystem around your business. um, That's also coming with creating a network, relationship building and building that community ecosystem. It's a snowball effect. So when I joined LinkedIn, it's amazing. So I, I wasn't on LinkedIn before. I started the um, Black Business Association of BC. Um, but when I did, 
the the type of connections that I got from that really propelled me to be able to create so many amazing relationships that have helped the association to grow. And I think the key here is what's going to separate someone who's just about business from someone who's looking to build the community is what are you going to do with those connections? You can build the community and your connections um, around your business, and that's fine. But now you've got other connections that you're getting because of those connections. Are you going to now take that to build the community or are you just going to continue to build your own business? And that separates to me community leaders from those in business only is brilliant you know, distinction. using that, using your leveraging what you're now getting, all of those connections you're getting to build the community. And, and that's what I really am. I'm proud of how I'm able to do that. It's one of the things that I, that I feel good about is that I get these connections and I can see how I can use those connections to now build a community. And that's, that's what's most important to me, not about, you know, building a business, my own business, because that will come. I've been doing business for a while. But how do I use these connections to help build the community so the community as a whole can benefit from this? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I can't tell, I can't, can't stress enough how icky it feels when someone reaches out to me and I can tell through their message, they are just interested in, Hey, can we make you a part of our latest program? Or can we like, how is it serving them? And so I always tell folks when you approach relationship building, it's asking, how can I be of service? Mm -hmm. How can I increase the positive energy that's happening? How can I positively engage with someone to get to know them? Yeah. Because effective partnerships is all about values alignment, is all about mission alignment. You know, you think about how easy this conversation between you and I is flowing is because our missions are both based in helping entrepreneurs and helping their businesses grow. Mm -hmm. And you can feel and sense that through a conversation. So as a, as a tangible how-to for LinkedIn, because I often have people say, okay, well, I make this connection and then, then what do I do with it? So one of the things that I always do when someone reaches out to me, I always, when I accept, if I accept because they've approached me in a manner that's not looking like it's going to sell me something, I will send them a message back and say, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'm curious by nature. What about my profile or experience inspired you to connect? I'd love, mm-hmm. I look forward to hearing from you. So I'm effectively putting a call to action in there to start the relationship development. And then if I see an opportunity through that thread that happens, if it happens, and I would suggest that only about 25% of people who connect with me, who've made the initiation actually respond. So I get very excited when people respond. Then I'm always looking for ways of who can I connect you with or what can I point you to that's going to yeah. make your day brighter, help you in business, be a resource that you maybe hadn't heard of because of something you've told me. So it's about putting that positive karma in the bank and mm-hmm. it always comes back. It, it always does. comes back. It does. And you find that because people people can tell energies. And if you are putting out positive energy and they realize that they see that authenticity um, in what you're doing, they will, even if they can't, you know, their organization or they can't, you know, provide some, um, some value to what it is that you're doing, they'll say, you know what, I can't help you, but I know someone who can, I'm going to connect you. You get connections that just because you are um, authentic and you are clear and you're community based and driven, 
they want to help. People want to help that. People, people want to see, you know, community growth. So we are in an era where people want transparency. They want to feel and see, um, you know, the real deal. They don't want, you know, the, the pretense and, and any of that. So when you come authentic with your true self and knowing your true self is actually very important to have running a successful business. But that's just a side note. But um, knowing your true self and understanding that when you come with authenticity, people want to help and they will refer people um, and organizations to you that they think can help your mission. LinkedIn has been tremendous for that piece alone. Yeah, the nuances between the social media profiles never, never fail to amaze me. And LinkedIn versus Facebook even. I mean, I have... I think equal size communities on both platforms and, mm-hmm. and it really also depends on what community you're building in that platform. But LinkedIn yeah. for me has always been business oriented and that's, that's the theme and overriding energy of LinkedIn. And then being able to yourself weave the sense of community and weave the sense of service mm-hmm. into that, the quality of what happens business wise on LinkedIn is amazing. So for yeah. those of our listeners who aren't on LinkedIn yet, I highly recommend in this era of needing to go even more digital with your business, that is a key place to be. And I know that, I think that Small Business BC actually has LinkedIn workshops, if I'm correct. And if indeed they do, I will put that in the show notes. I'm actually looking at our producer right now and he's nodding his head. So I am right. And I was hesitating because I was like, oh, am I going to throw that out there? And it's going to be a bump, bump, bump. But yes. (laughs) looking for resources for how to use LinkedIn, diving into that, taking a short course, I guarantee you it will return. I also want to talk about return and return on investment for your own businesses. What have what magic have you seen come out of community building that has served your business? Because, because what I also know is that we do have a limited, you said, 24 hours in a day. So we want to make sure that we are investing our time in being of service in areas that also serve our business. Otherwise, we're just making more things on our to-do list. Mm-hmm. So being able to evaluate, yes, I am being of service in this community and it is helping my business. Now, it might not be monetary. So coming back to you, what magic have you seen come from community development for your businesses? Ah, oh, Well, there's so many different areas. So I'm going to Maybe I will talk about some some specific ones that I noticed over the years. So, um, a couple of years ago, I volunteer. I used to volunteer with Look Good Feel Better Canada, and they're an organization that supports women who are undergoing cancer treatment. Um, in understanding, you know, what are what effects are going to happen as you take cancer treatment in terms of your hair. So, um, the your hair falling out because of the actual treatment. What things you can do, whether it's wigs or um, head ties and hats and, and different things you can do to, to, um, to work through that, that time in your life, which is a, a difficult journey. And, you know, how the hair, the skin is going to feel and the scalp and, and um, what you can expect from, um, from, from the actual treatment. So because I, was, I had been running the hair business, the side business for so long, I felt like I could use my expertise to help... Um, to help give women an understanding of what options they had in terms of hair prostheses. Now, what I ended up learning and I didn't realize I was going to learn was from that experience, I really got to have a better understanding of, you know, the journey a woman goes through when they're dealing with cancer and that the cancer treatment, 
both mentally as well as um, just wanting to feel like themselves again. It's not about, you know, getting all glammed up and fancy. I learned when you are dealing with cancer and you've lost your hair, you just want to feel like yourself again. So I use that information to, it, it really spurred me to look at my business at that time and where it was to start to focus in on how I could create a better experience for women who are undergoing medical treatment. And I changed, I uh, worked on um, the actual cap of my wigs to make them more comfortable because I then started to understand more of the sensitivity of the scalp um, and that traditional wigs can be very uh, irritating. Um, I wanted to create really natural looking hair because it's not about, you know, uh, being glam. It's about, I just want to feel like myself again. So I started to look at ways that I can, you know, mimic wigs that are, that can be created. So they're very, very natural looking and you it takes one thing, one less thing off their plate about worrying about. So I use that as an opportunity as another learning experience to better my business because I can now provide a better experience for women who are undergoing treatment. And that was one of the main reasons actually we, I went to my husband and I said, I wanted to open a space because women who are undergoing cancer treatment don't necessarily have the experience of looking for and trying on wigs. So to buy online is difficult. It's, it's a, you're navigating waters you haven't navigated in before. And to be able to create a welcoming private space where they can do that was one of my drivers to say, I want an actual physical space for women to, women to be able to do that. So that is, that is a reward on investment for my business that I never saw coming through my volunteer work. Another thing is I'm volunteering with the executive of the Barbados Cultural Association of BC. So my, my mother is from Barbados. And um, as an extension, I wanted to be able to help support and, um, you know, be, uh, be within and work within the community, the Barbados community here in uh, BC. And it helps to keep me, um, it helps to keep me in touch with what's going on with the culture and the community. But it also brings a sense of pride because I'm able to, you know, build a community for my kids so that they understand their history. And we can also share that with the community at large. So we have a lot of events where we that are outward facing because we're trying to um, create a more um, inclusive community. And I believe that um, knowledge is what is going to um, really bring on inclusivity within our community. If you take away the, the fear and the fact that you don't know something and you, you, you allow someone into the space so that they understand your community and you share your food and you share your music and you share all of these things, it becomes, people are more embracing of it and they become a more inclusive community. So that's what we try to do through the Barbados Cultural Association. And that helped me to stay in touch with the culture side of things and in business, for the Black community specifically, business and culture intertwine very, very much. So food is something you'll see a lot of Black businesses in. We have a lot of restaurants. We sell a lot of food-based uh, food um, type businesses, and that's ingrained in our culture. So when we share a business, when we offer a service or a, like, like a restaurant, we're sharing with you a piece of our culture. And that helps. I think that that type of experience helps me to put together programs and create opportunities for through the Black Business Association that really speaks to what we want to do as a Black community in terms of 
building strong businesses, but also building that cultural community and inclusivity, inclusivity with everyone else and bringing everyone together because it's, it's, it's hard to separate them out, especially with our, with our community. So I think that um, being able to volunteer opens your mind up to other, other possibilities. It opens your mind up to being able to um, collaborate and offer the best experience for yourself, for your community, and for people outside of your community that you interact with. So those have been my, those are just some examples of the takeaways, but I think that that type of volunteer work is is crucial um, for your well-roundedness as a person. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a word, but <laughs> well-rounded. Hey, I'm, I'm the queen of making up words, so I will take it. Uh, <laughs> both of those examples, what stood out for me was what, I teach our clients to be able to do in order to be able to write stronger content, like you said, to build a better client customer brand experience. Brand is all about experience. Brand is reputation times exposure. The way you build a great reputation is truly understanding your client and providing them an experience that is suited to them, not suited to you. So all in to say, when you gain those insights and that feedback and you listen you can truly understand what your clients are feeling. You can understand what they want mm-hmm. and what they don't even know that they need because you do have an outside perspective. So I'm always encouraging our clients to intimately and deeply get to know their audience so much so that they can put themselves in their shoes, yeah. stand in their shoes. There's a, an expression that says, walk a mile in their shoes. Mm-hmm. It's not quite, I think it's walk a mile in a man's shoes, but I'm making it more accessible. Being able to see through their eyes and understand what they're going through and having had a family member who went through that cancer journey and had to purchase a wig and it became fun for her because there was someone there to help her and she could try them on and she could get back to her. She had her, what I'll call her base wig, which, which put her back to self. But then she was like, Oh, I'm going to try this color. I'm going to try that color. And being able to have someone comfortable in their own skin again, it almost reduces me to tears. So Mm -hmm. I'm so thrilled that you had that experience and now you're able to offer that to the community because feeling like yourself when you're not feeling well, especially with something as tragic and hard as cancer is is such a gift to be able to give people. So we will definitely put a link in. Yeah. I want to put a link in our notes as well for women who might know women or themselves might need that experience to your business so they can come and, and walk in and feel comfortable. All right. So we've run the gamut on topics and there's so (laughs) much gold in this. So I'm curious to discover with the how to subset questions and theme of this episode for this season. If there's some common traits that successful network and community ecosystem builders have, I can just imagine that we've got some listeners who might be thinking, okay, this episode has convinced me that I want to build a community and ecosystem and network around my business, or I want to expand mine. And I'd love to build what Narissa's build, what Narissa has built, but I don't know if I can do that? Like, do I have what it takes for whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, excuses going on in their head? I'm an introvert. I've never done it. I'm not good at it. I don't know how to start a conversation. So 
what do you think has made you a successful community builder? And are there some specific traits or skills, or anything unique that you do that can help our folks build better communities, better networks for their businesses? Interesting question, because I've actually had some people from outside of our community reach out asking the exact same question. They, they're like, they love what we're doing with the Black business community. And they want to know how they can start something similar for their communities. So it's beyond um, humbling to see that we're inspiring people like that, where they want, you know, to inspire others and to build this type of um, supportive business community in their communities. So I, I always find time. It doesn't take a lot of time to give people pointers on, you know, this is how you start. This is this is like just the, the basics and the techniques on, you know, you've got to, you know, register your nonprofit, you need to take it, take into consideration these things. It doesn't take time to do that. I think as a community leader, that's your responsibility. If someone is looking to try to help other people, it's your responsibility to help them do that. But for me, what I think has really helped me to push forward and progress is dedication and passion. Because even with a job, it's the same thing. If you are really dedicated and passionate and you know the end goal of what you want to create, you will find solutions to whatever obstacles come your way. When I started this, you're starting, I'm starting at, you know, paying for everything out of my own pocket. You don't have funding to do uh, anything really. So you, if you don't have the passion behind it and the love for what your vision is and to help the community, you may want to give up because it is not cheap have these types of to have a, a nonprofit organization because you're really dependent on donations and you don't get donations when you first start. So everything is out of your pocket. Um, so you have to have that dedication and passion to stay the course. You want to be prepared. So even if you are just beginning, whenever you find a connection or um, yeah, whenever you find a connection, you want to build that connection, but you want to come to that conversation prepared. Whether you, um, you know, run the sense of feeling uh, you're on an introversion or extroversion, you need to show up for that conversation. You need to know what it is that person that you are um, going to be speaking with represents. You need to figure out, you know, how their mandate aligns with what your mandate um, and what you want to do so that you can have a sense of, okay, I'm going to be meeting with um, Small Business BC today what do they do and what do I do and how do they align and how can they come to this conversation showing them I've done some background work on what they do. I know what it is that they want. You know, I know what their, what drives their organization. I know what their mandate is. So here are some things where I think we can align where there are some synergies and the conversation is going to flow from there. You can't show up for um, community building and not be prepared. You need to, everyone's time is valuable. No one has extra time to diddle daddle. You need to, you need to be able to present yourself, your organization in a way that aligns and is synergistic with whoever you're talking to. So I think one of the main things for me is the ability to, um, to focus in on how we can align with whoever I'm talking to. So I come to a conversation prepared. I come knowing who I'm talking to. I come knowing this is the outcome of the conversation that I would like to have. And it keeps the conversation focused. 
and it keeps the appreciation between the individual because you're showing respect for their time when you come prepared for a conversation, when you come prepared for a meeting. And at this level, you can't not come prepared. So dedication, passion, and preparation. That's what I would, um, that would be my tips for anyone wanting to build um, community um, in this capacity. Fantastic. And I would suggest that that has an exact parallel for network building for individuals. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Understand your purpose for connection, for connecting. Mm -hmm. Make sure I will call it fit and affinity. Make sure there's alignment between you as people. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's you serve the same people. Maybe it's your purpose is the same. Maybe it's exactly. you share the same values. Looking for that those fundamental beliefs and truths mm -hmm. of are they aligned and and are we going to gel? Yeah. And doing your research and showing up prepared for that meeting or conversation to respect someone's time because we all know entrepreneurs, again, 24 hours in a day, yep. making the most of your time makes the most of someone else's time. Exactly. Last question. Can you please share with us for those interested in finding out more about the Black Business Association of BC, how can they find out more? And most importantly, where and how can people engage and connect with you, Narissa? Absolutely. So we're pretty active on Instagram. It's under Black Business Vancouver. However, like I said before, we service members all across Canada and we even have some members who are international. So if you think that you can benefit from any of the services that we provide, feel free to join. Um, we're also on Facebook at Black Business BC. And then our website has a plethora of information. It's uh, blackbusinessbc.ca. So um, those are the three main ways you can get in contact with us. We're going to have a lot of new initiatives rolling out um, as we're part of the Black Entrepreneurship uh, Program ecosystem. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, I really want to stress to any entrepreneur or small business owner out there who's listening to this podcast is we are all you know, in the same shoes, regardless of whether you're a black entrepreneur or outside of the community, we all have the same challenges. Um, we all have similar um, roadblocks. We all have been working through to try to stay above float during the pandemic. And a lot of our struggles are similar. We may have some differences, um, but a lot of the, a lot of the struggles and the challenges and what we work through are similar. So I think that a lot of the information and services we provide can help many people. And I would um, I would really recommend and suggest that take a look at what we have to offer because our, we're a service-based organization and we just want to help people. We want to help people uh, in general. We want to help entrepreneurs in general. We are a diverse, particularly here in uh, Vancouver, we're a diverse community. And we have to work together as a community. And when I say community, I don't necessarily mean black community. It can be municipal. We're in Surrey specifically. We're in Surrey. The, the city of Surrey, we have a community. The province of BC is a community. Canada is a community. And we have to work together to, to economically empower each of these communities so the entire community can be strong. So I will leave it at that. I won't ramble anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for having that. me. Thank you for that. There is so much value. And the thing that I say often, and I remind myself is we all bleed red, and we all breathe oxygen. And mm -hmm. if we're entrepreneurs, we all share a passion 
for growing our businesses and for the most part, helping other businesses grow. So the communities are so incredibly intertwined. There is so much value in cross-pollination and yep. seeing, having people see things differently and help you see things through their eyes. So yes, thank you for that last piece of brilliance. I have had so much fun and so enjoyed this interview with you today, Narissa. Uh, just thank you for being here. And I look forward to following in your success and all the amazing things that I know you will build in the future. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Carly. 